Yo, it's time to step into the business bubble. Ooh, you want that AMSR. Oh, there you go. Right side, Hello. left side. Right side, left side. We just did about 20 odd push-ups. That was actually a pretty good effort. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Angus. You. That was really good. Uh, I needed that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I didn't know it. So your, uh, <laughs> your invitation to do something was very well met. So thank you. Thank you very much. I, um, I just needed to... Well, I wanted to know what you usually do to get ready. And so all we did was... I mean, you had these things and- Oh yeah, that was like a Matthew McConaughey- uh, <laughs> That's right. Extension or- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you do a McConaughey uh, impression? All right, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, that, so, that was so He good. likes to whistle when he talks. Yeah, yeah he's got a lot of- You know, he does a he lot does. Of, Yeah, There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does. Hey, let's pop our bubble tea. Yes. Oh, my, my pleasure. Uh, I don't need that for now. Oh, is there a ritual to this? Is, is there, there a ritual? Yes. No, usually pop it and then I'll cheers you. Oh, and fun. then um, you want me to show you something cool in an Asian custom? Yes, please. So if uh, when you after, when you go to have like um, yum cha, have you ever been to yum cha before? I have. Yeah. Okay. So whenever you cheers with a client or someone like that who... Um, you very much more respect. Okay. Then you would actually put your drink at a lower uh, stance than the other person. Oh. Yeah. So your teacup. As a sign of respect. As a sign of respect, like they are higher than you, and so. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. So I learned that. I learned that when I was dining with a lot of like wealthy Chinese clients, and they're a lot older than me. And so one of my mentors said to me, "Hey, bring your teacup down." I said, "Huh?" And he said, "Bring your teacup down." I said, "All right, cool." So. Hang on. So, Sorry, as a sign I can sm- yeah, yeah, go for it. <sighs> yeah, as a sign of respect. Oh, as I'm, a, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna. Oh, oh, no, oh, I got you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a, that's a very kind uh, thing to do for the guests. I'm gonna beat you to it, but uh, very good. There's nowhere to go. There's no lower to go. It's, <laughs> we've started from the bottom, and now that's, we're here. It's all up from here, <laughs> dude. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's a really lovely gesture. No, it's cool, man. A really lovely gesture. Well, next time that you're doing a casting and you have the uh, producers there, and they all happen to be from you know Tencent, who happens to run every single movie now these days, so they seem to put all their money. Like, didn't they? They they sponsored. No, they paid for the production for Mission Impossible as well. Oh right. Oh these. No, no, as in like Chinese companies now. Oh, yeah, gotcha, they're trying gotcha. to break into the Hollywood market. Yeah, well, it's a big, it's a big market now. Like mm. it's they're competing on a level that, yeah, is, um, I'm sure. I hope that the what would be your favorite film to come out of China? Have you, have you seen any films that have really taken your interest? It's um the the biggest one is the biggest grossing one was the Battle at Lake uh, Chongqing, okay, which was a war movie. And they basically made the American soldiers look like idiots. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they, yeah! They, they made the Chinese the Chinese soldiers look so good, and then they made all the American soldiers look like you made the stupidest decisions. I thought that was very. Um, it's, it's a very China production, right? Yeah, on without getting cancelled. Yeah, without, yeah, getting, without getting cancelled. Is that a fine line to walk? Uh, I think nowadays it is, um, especially with so much global thingy that's going yes. on as well. Um, and then I myself, I still have family members in China, so I don't want them to go to jail because <laughs> that's a fair, fair, fair. fair. fair um, yeah, is that so? That is a, something to consider. Consider when making decisions, or certainly what you say, or what you 
uh, post that is a consideration. I think that's the same for everyone these days. Wow. Like we live in a, obviously, oh, we live in a society these days, yeah. you know? It's so easy to get cancelled. Like, you know, poor James Gunn. Remember how a bit when he was um, filming Guardians 3, just in the early days? Yeah. Someone oh, pulled out this yeah. article from ages ago when he was, you know, making fun of, or well, he was talking about homophobic things, and then they went hard at him and shut him down. Yeah. That's tough. It's tough when, yeah, your entire back catalogue of anything you've ever... I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's certainly, I think it inspires people just to maybe think, pause for that extra second before you like just launch into something, I say. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, because those things are there now forever for mm -hmm. the most part. Most things are recorded, it seems now. Like, I mean, even, I know it's, you know, it's not uh, maybe recording it to somewhere, but certainly I learned that that like the phone listening thing I thought that was a myth but it ain't a myth it definitely when you shout out hey Alexa yeah hey, it's, it's always listening it's right always listening yeah you just don't know hey yeah. we should drink this yeah we should drink this you tell me how you feel wait well, one we, more cheers one more cheers to you I'd like to oh too hey, kind thank, thank you. you thank you thank well, you look at this two cultures coming together this is Australia right. that's what Australia's about we need some more Asian representation at home and away for sure <laughs> for sure I think is, is there any representation at the moment for uh, home and away, I, home and away. I, I reckon. Well, if you think about Australia, right? Our I've asked other people, other guests who you know have uh, who are in the food industry here in Australia, or their food bloggers, or their influencers. And I usually ask them when you when you welcome someone from overseas, um, what do you when they ask you, or what is what is the flavor of Australia? What is the identity of Australia? Right? And they always say it's a big melting pot. Yes. Right. But obviously, home and away started like in the early nineties, right? And it's yeah. been, it's an institution that show has been going on for, for so long. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We didn't even drink it. Man, we got oh, a lot to talk about. Been, oh man. <laughs> it's me. okay. This is fully charged so we can go okay. all night. All right. What? Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a straight up win. That, I think the combination you suggested was yeah. good as well. I, I, uh, yeah. And the owner, remind me of the owner's name. Peng. Peng. Yeah. He seemed like, he's like, that's a good combination. He knows his stuff. Yeah, he knows his stuff. He would have, I bet, do you think there's a secret, is there a secret menu? You could. Like KFC secret menu? Yeah. <coughs> so I got a few friends that own different chains. No way. I won't say their names. Okay. But they have to buy secret. from their su supplier. Yes. But when their mates come along, they have specific tea that their supplier is not, not allowed to know about. And then so they'll make this special tea for their friends. Like special, special tea? So special. What's in that thing? I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, if you think about, um, if you, even if you think about in the music industry, right? Mm -hmm. There are specific sounds that a band might have. Ah, uh, signature. Signature. So if you think about a big franchise, like let's say McDonald's, they won't let you go out and buy buns from Woolworths if you've run out. Right, you have to get the Mac's Right, buns. right. Same goes with some of the tea shops, the big brands. Mm. If you run out of pearls or if you run out of particular, like a tea base, they'll have to, you have to purchase it again from the supplier. Oh. Yeah. That's holding them, holding them over a, a barrel. I actually think in terms of the bubble tea industry, um, if you have a massive corporation like a Gongcha or a Cha Time or something yes. like that, there is so much money to be made as the franchise, as a master franchisee. I've not heard that term, a master franchisee. Yeah. 
I I grew up on these teas. Like when yeah. I would go to Melbourne, these were my these were one of my favorite favorite drinks because didn't have them necessarily where I, I grew up in the country. Yes. So I didn't necessarily have these. But when I go to the city, it was special. This is a bit of a nostalgia trip. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about that afterwards. But sure. in terms of Melbourne, oh, actually, let's go back to that that topic about um, Australia. What is yeah. a, what is Australia's, uh, uh, well, you've been featured in so many iconic Aussie shows, right? What is Australia's identity to you? Australia's identity? I'd. That's a great question. I'd say, I want to ask you that question, but you want me to give Oh, and people, people come press this button to play and hear you, brother. Well, it's a collab, as we discussed. I love it's it. It's a collab. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I think, to me, Australia is very much still in its infancy. Like, I know uh, in terms of its culture, it's developing. And I actually think it's certainly, it's rapidly accelerating now because it's opened up. And I think certainly since, since the advent of the internet and things. But it was relatively young, obviously, just in terms of, uh, colonization, obviously, but before that, rich, rich history. And I think mm. that's something that often gets, uh, I wish I learned more about that, uh, particularly in school growing up. Mm. There was an element of it, but I just think this notion that it's, um, I mean, it's evident that it didn't start, obviously, with colonization. And uh, it's been really, I feel like that's opening up now and it's actually helping. Yeah. Uh, I think it's helping the entire culture develop as well. Cause you can't just like, I think uh, New Zealand's a country to me that had a great integration of that as well. They seem to have, I mean, it's obviously still not an ideal scenario, I guess, when there's colonization like that, mm. but there was a bit more of an integration, I think with, you know, the traditional owners there and, and then, and, and what goes down. And I, yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's such a great synthesis, uh, you know, crazy, not ideal stuff goes down, but I, I suppose it's what we do from here forward. And so that integration sure. and certainly um, learning from learning from it as well, because I think there's so much that I'm, as I get older, I'm definitely embracing more that like, I'm not so convinced that we're at the pinnacle of our like, I know in many ways of civilization in terms mm. of our intelligence and our technology, it's insane, it's wild. But I reckon there's knowledge that gets lost along the way that is equally uh, valuable and like mind blowing as well, you know. Mm. And, and I think that's why um, when it comes to looking at the past, I, when I like when I visit overseas, like you like you visited overseas, like even when you went to India to shoot Hotel Mumbai, you see the stuff that's been there for thousands of years, and you think of the stuff that's been here in Australia. Like the stuff that we see there, they've only been around for, you know, like you see on buildings like 1800. Like it's not that old. No, that's what I mean. When I say it's infancy, I mean those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because what would you see when you're um, in some of the places you visited? What what sort of dates are you seeing on those buildings? Oh, you're talking about, you know, even when you go to China, you, oh, you talk right. about things like from the dynasties, like this is built in the Qing dynasty. And you go, what the freak? How long ago is that? You know, and so- you, How long ago is that? Oh, I don't know, thousands and thousands of yeah, years ago, so right? Just a different yeah. dimension. Like one of the things I really want to do is go to Israel and do the Nazareth trek ah. to go back to like zero BC, no, zero AD. Yes. You know that? Like, that's a great that, idea. That's nuts. Like when you think about it that way, we're so, this, yeah. is, such a, this is such a fresh country. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It is, it, it's, uh, 
it's got so much potential now to to really take ownership. I think of where that goes. Yeah, but I love that man. I would love. Do you? Is that a trip that you think you would lock in sooner rather than later? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know what really gets me though? Whenever I fly back home from overseas, and you jump onto you know when you're with Qantas, and they have I still call Australia home when you're land landing. Does that get you? Yeah, it gets me. It gets you, right? It gets me. That song that reminds me. I'm pretty sure that they shot that. Have to correct if this is incorrect, but I've heard this and maybe it's an open myth, but they shot that whole thing, the choir in the desert. You, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah. And then the dude that was running the footage back in the day because it was film footage exposed, accidentally exposed the footage. Oh. Uh, he was like a runner and oh, yeah. accidentally exposed it to light and lost the whole- Oh, shoot. The whole shoot. And I think they had the from this- when I heard, they had to redo that entire thing, like get them all back out in the desert. <laughs> Can someone uh, myth bust that we, if it's not true? I, someone might have just led me down the garden path. I'll that post one. this yeah. and then we'll see whoever, you know, people can myth bust that. Yeah. That'd be good because yeah. I don't want to throw um, anonymous runner who <laughs> may have like never worked again. That's true. Ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I want to go back all the way to the beginning. Now, sure. you've, you you talked about many times in interviews and stuff like that, that your family held the fort when you were doing, you know, H2O, when you're doing your shows and all that from the beginning. What does that, what does that mean to you when your family holds the, f- the fort? Well, to me, it's, it's love in action is, is how I translate it now. At the time I was probably, you know, I don't think I fully comprehended just how much sacrifice they were making in order for me to go and do these things. Um, you know, not just my mum and dad, but my brothers as well. Like it was a, it's exciting obviously and very out of the box thing for a country kid to be uh, heading off to do these series. Uh, at the time we didn't know that they were going to be as big as they were, but my yeah particularly my my dad as well like holding down a farm solo uh so that i I could go and do that stuff while mum you know uh, and mum as well like i was i was pretty damn young when i went and did that so Mm. uh very formative years and i think that the older i get the more i reflect them they just be like that was a herculean effort on my family's part yeah it's not a not a solo any of that thing that worked and was not a solo thing whatsoever. So every time that you think about your career and or people go, oh, you you this in your career, you think about the family side, right? Like, hey, my parents are just as part of this as I am. I can say that now. Yeah. I, at the time, I was probably caught up in my own like, wow, like this yeah. is wild. Like I knew, like yeah. I knew, but I, now that, yeah, I just. I didn't have the scope of uh, mm. life experience to under fully grasp what they had done. And also they, they support mm. so much still like they, they haven't lost that. And, and I, yeah, I'm a very lucky individual. Yeah. So when in hindsight now you think about it, were you more driven by maybe your ego or were you more driven by your gratefulness back then? Hmm. Oh, Nathan. <laughs> I, I would have to say I think it was uh, equal parts ego and naivety and passion mm-hmm. as well mixed in there as well. So like enthusiasm, yes. which I would say is gratitude. I definitely loved the like the, the, the ride that it was and the people that I was meeting and the, the work itself. I thoroughly, thoroughly 
in yeah, love. So I think that enthusiasm. Mm. But yeah, man, I think I it it would be remiss of me to say that they probably I didn't pause to really maybe analyze just how much this was being completely pillared by my family and not just for my family, but all my, you know, people from, from back home and friends and mm. uh, fam, you know, extended family as well and community in general. So mm. <laughs> my ego definitely probably, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, but yeah. it was just like. Yeah. Of course. Well, when you look back on it, was would there be anything different that you would tell yourself back then when you were shooting um, as a teenager, um, that what you would do now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say to yourself back then? What I like, say? If, if you could jump in a time machine right now yeah. and say, "Okay, hey Gus, look, I know you're on the show and things are doing pretty well right now." Yes. I would say, get quiet for a start, like, hey, guys, brother, hey, man. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. You don't know me just yet, but you will. I will need you or I would encourage you to get into some form of, form of mindfulness and, and relaxation and meditation. It would be really wise of you to learn that stuff now because I actually think if I had have stopped and paused – that stuff naturally would occur mm. because it did later down the track. I couldn't say for sure, but I think there was so much excitement and so much adrenaline and so much, you know, flat, like, wow, this is wild. Yeah. It never, I mean, I didn't even know what those terms were of like mindfulness or meditation or anything like that. And I think that gratitude, that's probably the thing I, I take from those practices now is that they allow, the relaxation allows a natural gratitude. Yeah to occur and new thoughts to uh, new perspectives to emerge. Yeah. So would you say that you were more driven or dragged when you were young then? Oh, that's a good question. Driven or dragged? Ooh. It just felt like I'd gotten on a roller coaster. So whatever that motion of a roller coaster is like, um, I guess that's dragged in a sense, right. but I wouldn't have said that at the time. But but driven as well, like definitely at the end of the day, it's I had to do the things to to keep the tracks, you know, to, to keep the tracks moving and to be rolling down them. Mm. So the, a bit of column A, a bit of column B. <laughs> <laughs> well, because well, you have to get into the vehicle first, right? So yeah, you it's to, free will, yeah. Yeah, so you have to make that decision to get in there and be a part of it and then go go all in, right? I am. It's, it's, it's pretty damn good, right? It's pretty damn yeah. good. I actually, you can chew the stuff into the mic, and whoever's listening to this, they can. Yeah, pay. I, we can set up. We can set up a Patreon for this. If you wanted to hear Angus McLaren chew on toppings, <laughs> <laughs> your dreams have just come true. All these teenage girls going, "Oh my gosh, Lewis oh. chewing on toppings." Let's go. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear that sentence ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> said Nathan, <laughs> lo and hold, here we are. Um, may, may it be, uh, t- 10, 14. Yeah. yeah, this is a vibe. I'm well and truly on board with this. I, what was the question? 
Yeah, you're jumping on the roller coaster. So you're yes. free will. You had to jump oh, on the roller coaster. It was a free will decision. Mm. Very, very much so. And, uh, and I th- actually genuinely thoroughly enjoyed performing mm. and thorough- and still do. But in that time, mm, I didn't particularly vibe sitting in a classroom. And I loved being creative and I loved using my imagination. Uh, and I loved being on set as well. And yeah. uh, and it was, it was a real bond with uh, my family. It was, uh, I would never change anything. Mm-hmm. I would never change anything. So me going back when I say that, I suppose, um, yeah, these are just things. It would have probably yeah. saved a few like getting my hands burnt on the fire multiple times. Yeah. And, but that happened. I mean, that's the journey, right? That's right. And are they more lenient towards you when you're younger as well? Yes, I think there is that. There's certainly some leniency around yeah. that. How did you, I mean, do you find that for yourself when you were younger? Did you have, uh, do you think that there's more scope for that? Um, what would I call it? Yeah, just that there's, people are more understanding that you're learning. Did you find of that? Of course. Yeah. I've made mistakes in the bank when I was 18 years old. And I'm so grateful for some of those right. bosses to go, hey, you know what? I'm not even going to consider this a warning. You're 18, 19. you got a lot ahead of you. So we're not going to, we're going to, Learn from a mistake, don't do it again. But whereas oh. someone who's, you know, in their maybe 30s doing, you know, same mistakes, then they'll probably go, hey, this is a, a this is actually a, a official warning for you. Um, yeah. And then look, again, with that driven drag stuff, when I was younger as well, I happened, my parents happened to want to dip my foot into every single thing that was out there. Right. Yeah. So they chucked me into commercials and, you know, chucked me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Right, right. I think this is where my love for TV, movies and all that came in. Yes. Yeah. This is making sense. Did so, you enjoy that process? I don't know. No, if I'm honest know. with you. No, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If, because when I was, I was young, you were literally just thrown in there. Mum goes, oh, look, there's a casting, you know, so- you know, go out, do the casting, and then if you get the job. And back then, I was really lucky because there weren't very many Asians um, in that sphere. And I so see. I had a lot of, like, I got a lot of opportunities as well. Um, and then, but after I think my parents realized that I was getting fat, I was like, yeah, he's not getting no jobs. <laughs> Did they say that to you? Oh, my dad has said that a few times. Okay. Yeah. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it was a, you know, sometimes they say they is uh, rejection is a form of protection as well. That's right. And, uh, I wouldn't hold on to that all the way. I think sometimes <coughs> rejections, like, as you said, a bit of a warning where yeah. you're like, okay, I need to change yeah. a few things here and look at my, uh, behavior and my beliefs. But I think. <laughs> Try to think of that in a dating concept. Yeah, you got rejected, bro, because you messaged her at 3 a.m. in the morning <laughs> and tried to call her at 5 a.m. because yeah. you were missing her. Dude, don't do that. <laughs> no, there's a few things that are, yeah, with a pinch of salt. Yeah. That one. Uh, but that's amazing that you, well, I didn't realize that uh, it was at that point. Do you think, did, what would you say to your 14 year old self? What do I say? Um, I would say to him, uh, hey, appreciate your parents. Listen to them more. You don't know everything. And um, here's a slap across the face to remind you, um, you know, that <laughs> hey, my Asian parents, like, you beat your kid when you don't do, you know, these days, parents these days, they don't want to smack their kids. I was like, that's okay. But when I have kids, they're going to learn. Right. <laughs> you think it's a... It's a cultural thing, if I'm, if anything. Is that so? Yeah. If you okay. ask anyone, like even if you ask Kyle, Kyle, did you get smacked when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. But I copped. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't felt, yeah. Oh, yeah, we found, oh, I'm not going to throw my mum. I love you, mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, uh, it was understandable. Uh, yeah. for, and it does, because I don't know about you, but like some, at that age, the brain isn't developed maybe enough to comprehend certain mm. things. And that, I'm not talking about like going overboard, but I think that immediacy, mm. I ain't advocating it, but sure. I'm saying it's. But I'm just saying it, sometimes that immediacy, like, could be that bo- that mm, bucket of cold water. I guess as an adult, these sometimes sure. get. It's just a little like, hey, things. I guess bringing the consequence of something that, as a kid, I couldn't have. My brain just was not thinking probably f- f- mm. f- five seconds in front of my face. So it's like, how do you bring that that consequence into it? Now? That's true. Into the immediate, it's tough. I, I, I'm not a parent, sorry. No, neither am I. So we, what do we know? What do we know? Yeah. But was there ever a time where you thought as you were young that this could all be taken away? Like the fear of losing it? Yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I, I was constantly reminded, that, hey, this is just a, this is like a lottery ticket you've you've won. This is, this is something that isn't forever. It's just a you know, an extraordinary circumstance that's occurring, but don't be banking on the fact that this is going to continue. Mm. And in a way that gave me a, a, I could be more excited and present with it. I wasn't thinking very future-minded. In some regards, though, I'm like, mm, in order to be more driven, like uh, from an from my own, what's the word I'm looking for? autonomy, mm-hmm. it probably would have been good to be like, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. These are the steps I'm going to take. This is how I break it down. And then being very uh, self-driven in terms of those things. So it was, again, I feel like we're hitting a few paradoxes. Uh, yeah. There's a bit of, you know, it goes both ways in terms of what could be beneficial. Right. And so would you say that you have more pressure now as an adult or more pressure when you were a teenager then? I didn't feel like I had pressure. Maybe that's why it was actually working because I didn't perceive the pressure mm. uh, and it was there, but so I guess maybe that leniency, but I, it's actually become maybe more challenging as an adult because I think that there's no, I'm, I'm now very acutely aware of how much support I was receiving from people around me. Like, yeah, and on a film set, you've got the wardrobe, you've got the director, you've got yeah. other cast mates yeah. who, you, who were awesome and you've got a script, you're learning a line, you know, yeah. stay on the mark. There's a <laughs> there's a lot. You obviously have to do what you got to do in the, in yeah. when it's your time, but that's a hell of a lot of support whereas being fully self-driven and self-disciplined um, mm-hmm. is a whole different degree. I'm realising as a, you know, I'm... It's taken me a while yeah. to be like, oh, this is actually crit- not only is it critical, but the greatest freedom occurs from stepping into that more right. and more. Yeah. Well, on a film and TV set, then, who do you think, from your perspective, from what and everything that you've done, who is the most undervalued person on the TV on the set? Whoa, what a good question. The immediate thing that jumped into my head, so I'll just unpack that real quick. I think the first directors are extraordinary so they're 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 considered the assistant director effectively but they are wheeling and dealing like they are the ones that are like calling everything up in terms of right up until action and then after so they're sort of holding the fort and i think obviously the director's you know the the visionary and has the so they deserve you know rightfully get their props for that Mm. Uh, the ADs, they look, okay, it's because they're always looking the most stressed. 
they're always like... AD's assistant director, right? Assistant director, yeah. 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 It's like, okay, we need another, like, let's do another shot. And mm. you can just see him like, yeah, great, great. Yeah, let's go. You know, like, <laughs> you can just see their brain exploding. Uh, so I think AD's, but I also think all the way back to like the... Riders, obviously, you know, there are, you often don't meet the riders until you may never meet the rider, but it's there. You know, we're seeing the rider strikes in the US at the moment. So, a case in point, like mm-hmm. they are birthing in a sense that universe that everyone steps into. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big deal. Mm. The rider strike is an um, interesting thing. A lot of people don't know about it, right? Mm. How, because like, that indirectly will affect future projects moving forward. There's a lot of things that's already in the pipeline, but that means two years from now, there's going to be this massive gap where there's mm. going to be a lot of things that are not happening, right? You nailed it. So as an as an actor then, yeah. how how do you see this these strikes that are going on? I see them as there was an inevitability. I, I don't know that like yeah, complete ins and outs to be fair, I know I saw Brian Cranston make a speech from from Breaking Bad and you know a entire great uh, host of other projects and he I could see the passion man I was like whoa okay cuz they're so the union there is so strong uh we've got a good one here as well uh, the one in the US is just on a it's so they're so passionate and uh I think I didn't really understand it until I saw him making that speech, I was like, oh, this is way more than what I actually understood. But in answer to your question, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to, uh, like anything, man. Do you remember Blockbuster video? Oh, yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah, see video, video, easy, the whole lot. Right. Okay. My man. Yeah. Okay. Same, so, same era, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love this. So Blockbuster <laughs> video to me, I'm sure when they were rocking it and it was at its zenith, right, people mm. were like, if you owned a Blockbuster video, you'd be like, this is... A sure thing forever. Mm. And I suppose the rider strikes, uh, to me, is it's one that, that one cliche of like the one constant is change or the one, yeah, the one constant is change. So I, I can understand why it's happening. I can understand that people are obviously rattled by it and wanting to promote that change. And I think with the right mindset, good things will ultimately come out of it. Mm. You know, I think, uh, I think there can be a win-win for everyone mm. involved. I hope it finishes because I, re- I hope they come to an agreement because I really want to see movies back on. I yeah. want to see good stuff as well. Of course. Yeah. Hey, there are a lot of, um, going back to your career, right? There are a lot of uh, child celebrities like um, Miley and Selena and you think about like Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. A lot of them disassociated themselves um, from yeah. a lot of the works that they used to do. Um, do you think that there is a chance for an H2O season four reboot? Hell yeah. I hope so. Let's make it happen. I reckon we should make it happen. Well, it's trending right now because I think they put it back onto, I think, Netflix and everything like that. So, uh, Well, the, yeah. Yeah, I think streaming has given that show, like it arguably is as popular now as I think it, it has been. Like these, we know one expected, because streaming wasn't even a thing when we shot it, not to age the show <laughs> or myself, but streaming wasn't a thing and- uh, the fact that it's gotten these new leases on life is is 
you know, hey, mm. and stuff. Don't think I don't hear that stuff. I don't, I hear the catchphrase <laughs> that people make. And uh, it gets no. word gets player. <laughs> no. Everyone thinks I did that. And, I mean, I, prob- I think I may have said it at one point, but I, I love it. I love the fact that it's been mm. embraced by a whole new generation, you know. Mm. That's really epic. And, yeah, that it's was like such when- a yeah, well, it's like when songs make a return, right? Yeah. Ah, it's a good point. Yes, like Running Up the Hill, uh, the Kate Bush song in, in Stranger Things, I think was a great example. That ended up on the top of the charts again. Yeah. You know? Guardians did a good job with their oh. soundtrack as well. The, did you see the third one? Oh, hell yeah. How was it? I oh, haven't seen it. I hadn't seen it. Gun was back. They they should have sent you to the premiere, man. They <sighs> Damn straight. Let's get a time machine, set things right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I think that one of the things about, um, uh, I think the, one of the things about like disassociating yourselves with like the previous work that you've done, um, I seem to find that when, like you, you, uh, like you didn't really like do a 180 degree flip and go, I'm out of this zone, you know, I'm going to completely ditch this and I'm going to go do something else. No, I'm doing that now. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, but why do you think um, celebrities like that would want to actually make such a big shift or such a big change from your perspective? Another good question. I would. Let me pause on for a sec. I think because it is such a those years, as you know, are so developmental in terms of your identity, in terms of your how you react to the world and how you were perceived by the world. I think it's so, those are such formative years hmm. that if you've, I'm on, I can't speak on any of their behalf, but this is probably something I, I, I maybe understand a little bit more in retrospect. Re, that's a new word, ret, retrospect. retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> 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 Oh, touche. It's too good. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. Uh, well, in retrospect, <laughs> we're going to get that on the next show. We're going to get that on a public, <laughs> business public show. Oh, that hit me funny, man. That's yeah. good. I'll send you one. Yeah, please. I'll <laughs> ambassador that. I I think that it's so form, it's so formative those years that when you, f- it's awesome. Like those shows are are great and you'd never I'd never take it back. I'm only, I can only speak on my own behalf. Mm. I, I would just say that you get you get on the roller coaster. Right. And then after the fact you sort of you've come off it and you're like, whoa, mm. that was wild. Uh had thrills and spills and twists and turns. And in that you've been playing a character mm. to more or less degrees. You I was probably still and I, I can understand that maybe this was the case for other actors although I couldn't say for sure but you want to grab that autonomy as you get you know did you have it when you were sort of turning 18 that you wanted to it's a natural thing I think just from a development tool point of view that you want to yeah, stretch your wings and take every ownership every human that's what, yeah yeah, every human wants to do that. Okay. Yeah. Did you experience that personally as well? I think so. Yeah. Um, you are a human, so I guess that's I true. try to be yes. sometimes. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Failing miserably. <laughs> We're working on it just day by day. Day by day. You know, there's, there's um uh, a lot of a lot of young or a lot of young girls, a lot of you know fans saw you as a heartthrob when you were when they were growing up. Who was your biggest celebrity crush? I remember having a, 
pretty big crush on the Olsen twins when I was growing up. Yes. <laughs> Is that a random one to say? Well, that's fair enough. We all watched Nick Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been from that. I remember the Olsen twins. <laughs> so sounds – I haven't thought about that for a long time. But as growing up, yeah. I think the Olsen twins was, was kind of a big one. It's cool. Does, your, does, does Anna know about this? Oh, no. And Oh, crap. I'm sorry. That's 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 cut cut At the time, no, I never actually when Anna and I were together. I, I don't think I would, I never offered that up. Right, right. Fair I don't enough. think I offered up. No, I'm not ashamed of it. No, that's I all just, right. Um, I don't think I've actually been asked that question before, Nathan. You got some good questions. Who was yours? Who was mine? Um, when I. Was younger. It was. Um, I had a big fan. I, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. So Kira Knightley, seeing it, I was like, "Wow, who's this girl?" She was awesome in that. Yeah, and then I became a massive fan of Selena Gomez. Yep. 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 And, yep. And now my now my crush forever is my wife. So, gotcha, baby. Gotcha, baby. What's your partner's name? Yana. 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 Magic. You couldn't go. I mean, that's the that's. <laughs> That's the best answer. Well, I think marriage is just such a beautiful construct in itself. Yeah, I do as well. Because you're basically saying no to everything and yes. saying yes to the one thing. Like Russell Peters said, he says, um, you can settle for many gina or one gina. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Russell Peters said that, so you can't cancel me. Did he, uh, everyone is listening. Did he get that on his shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get one and send it to him. And say, Russ, come do an episode with Angus and I, and just go hard. This is going hard, dude. That's, <laughs> that is a, a controversial top. It is a very controversial. I, I think I like what you said there about that. Actually, when you say no to things, it doesn't. I've always had this fear of FOMO around like jobs or careers or whatever it might be about. Like if I say no, I'm missing out on these potentialities. And now I realize it's really empowering when you actually do define yourself for something. Mm. And then you say that in a relationship or a marriage, like that definition I think actually is free, more freedom giving than it is what I used to perceive was like, oh, I'm limiting myself or I'm, uh, yeah, I'm cutting a piece of me off or something. I guess in a sense it is, but it's actually, it's evolution I think in many scenarios. That's a really, that's a really interesting idea as well. Um, and then you also mentioned about, um, <clears throat> Oh, what was that first thing you said? That was so good. I almost had a question off that and I was going to go into it, but it's crossed my mind. It's crossed my mind and I'll come back through to it. I, yeah. Yes. It's not, I do have a bit of the old um, ADHD, You're, so no, I, I'll jump man. around on, I'll monologue, man. I haven't I'll, gotten tested, but I reckon I got it too. I'll tell you what, man. I'm, I'm all for it. It's like a superpower, you know? It can be. It can also be a living night terror. Really, uh, I think so. not. Maybe not for everyone. No, okay, that's well, a bit over dramatic. But I think it, it can. I only got diagnosed last year, so I yeah. suppose that's. Uh, it was, it was a bit of a, uh, a shock, but not really as well. I was just like, ah, oh, and I, it is a very common uh, thing where you know maybe yeah. too much potentially at the moment. Was there a light switch moment that you go, oh, that makes sense now after you got diagnosed? Yeah, I. I, there were a lot of things that I thought were just like very <clears throat> unique to myself and then mm. learning and listening to other people. And I'd be curious. Yeah. You, you said you haven't 
been diagnosed. No. I don't think it's necessary. Wow. Yeah, no, very no, far a- from me, but I, I, hey. I think there's merit in both. I understand people that do, yeah. and I understand people that, that don't. Because it's how? Hmm. Why do you think you might? I don't know. I always see that things like this can actually help or hinder you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I used to work for a consulting company called Gallup, and they used to do this thing called a Strengths Finder. Have you heard of that before? No. So in so so. And quickly, like there's 34 strengths that, so the strengths finder started when this guy called Don Clifton after the war, he, um, he realized that there were a lot of people coming back from the war and they were, um, and, and they were struggling to fit themselves back into society. He was a, they called himself the father of psychology. Right. And so what they decided to do, well, what he decided to do was create this, um, these, this list of strengths that were divided into different segments. And from there, instead of finding out what was wrong with people, we tried to find out what was right with people. Yeah, I'm still giving money to Gallup right now. So, <laughs> yeah, and then so through that, there's I this strengths that. test that you can do. And it's so common for us normal humans to go, well, what are our weaknesses? Let's build on those weaknesses. But then if you think about a sports star, right? If you think, oh, he's an athlete, he's really good at tennis. Well, let's work on his weakness, which is basketball. That doesn't make sense from that perspective. Right. Yeah. To focus on that at the exclusion of to turn himself yeah. into a superhero of yeah. his sport or whatever he's doing through his strengths. So I did the strengths right. test when I worked with Gallup. What did it, how was it? Oh, so so um, my first one is futuristic, right? So Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. Well, it's it's kind of cool when you think about it, but what it does is that there's, it means that um, no, I, I could have, like, people can consider, oh, Nathan's always got his head in the clouds. He's always thinking about, you know, the next, next thing. But then at the same time, there could be a good side to that saying, hey, you know what? It means that you are a visionary or you think forward. Right. It's kind of like both sides, right? So ADHD, same, uh, same goes. You can wild. see it as a superpower or you can see it as a limitation. It's up to us, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. And this is when you did that fist bump. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this guy's owned it. Oh, I appreciate that. I yeah. think I am now like more so because it probably, to be fair, is like you said, it it can be that superpower. It was probably the thing that got me into acting initially in the first place, to be honest. Not the thing, but it was certainly, I just had a lot of energy and, yeah. and, and thought in mm, ways that, yeah, I was always maybe considered a bit of an, a bit of an odd dude, you know, and I uh, embraced that. And it's not a surprise. I ended up playing odd ball characters, you know, and ones that were a bit left or out of the societal norm. So I, Mm. I think this, you know, is probably coming back to that and having some acceptance of, and not, you said that about identity and about wanting to like change it up. Yeah. In some ways it's, I can understand wanting to, Get a, get away from that, but I'm probably as I get older now. I'm 34. Mm. Ain't no spring chicken. Mm. I am starting to embrace it, but in a new way with more knowledge and more life experience. And it sounds like you you've had a similar experience. Yeah, I think after, well. especially after marriage, like after yeah. marriage, I actually got closer to my parents as well because you start ah. you start to you start to um like you know when you hit your 30s when you're in the teens right you think the world is your oyster and then when you're in 20s you're like I can do anything like screw you oh yeah yeah and then when you hit 30s you go actually (laughs) (laughs) there are some requirements around here (laughs) in order for me to succeed (laughs) or even just make it through my 30s yeah Yeah. I do yeah very much and so I think after marriage um I got married at 26 yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 
27, sorry. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, in a, in a Christian community, like if you're 27 and you just got married, you're a grandpa. You should have three kids by now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember, I'll tell you this, this is a funny one. I yeah. went to um, I went to a church um, uh, in, in Tokyo and it was a sister church of one of our churches. And I met this guy and he was really cool. He was from America. He met his Japanese girlfriend uh, and then fiance and got married within six, seven months. And uh, I said to him, um, I said, hey, you got married in six months. Why, why, how'd you, so quick. And he goes, chastity's a bitch. I was like, all right. <laughs> so he's got his priorities. He had his priorities set. Well said. Exactly. I, 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 I a good friend uh, who got married very, very young, like 20, 20, I think he was 20. His partner was 19 at the time. I was like, that is. That's young. Young, but yeah. still together. How good is that? Kicking goals. Yeah. Like it, there's a, I really respect that level of like, of, again, that definition, like not this, this, you know, I think that's, that's inspiring. Mm. It doesn't always work out that way, obviously, but uh, I think those values, those values really can provide a great platform for a wonderful life. Well, you just, you become laser focused. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not chasing now. I've got I've got the one and I'm just going to go hard with it. Like figure it out. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um there's so many movies and stuff like that these days. They're banking on nostalgia. Mm. Um what do you think that the movie industry's kind of messed up now because all the movies that are doing really well are all off previous prior properties. And it's really struggling with original films. I mean, let's say Oppenheimer did really well, mm. right? But that's like one. Like you think about, and then the ones that they are banking on nostalgia, that hit and miss. Like think of Indiana Jones. I didn't see that. Did you see that? Yeah, I'm a movie junkie. I'm like, so I'm one of those guys, I don't watch trailers. So, oh, you are. Yeah. You're the real McCoy. Thank you. That's cool. Thank you. You know, I salute you, people. You know, people in your in your field. You know, for actually making the movies. Oh, yeah, salute so, you back for the, it's a t- Again, it's a collaborative. There ain't no, uh, there ain't no actors if there ain't no audience. That's true. There's insane actors just by themselves, just monologuing to themselves. That's where that goes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we all do it, don't we? At some point, in our, I think there's ADHD it, there. It's right? just me. <laughs> Yeah, but no, like on, on the nostalgia factor, Hollywood is now banking on so many nostalgic movies. Yeah, like what are we are we are we running to a dead end now? Where we have to are we going to miss out on all these amazing original stories because companies are going to stop producing them because they realize that hey, this is too much of a gamble. It's going to stick with previous stuff that's worked. Fascinating. It's you're right. It certainly is. A, we're in a phase of it. I do think. It, with anything like with music, with trends, with fashion, any of these things, they do swing to a, an extreme at some point. Inevitably, I feel like the natural balance will will swing it back the other way, where people go like, "Actually, I'm f- it's like eating too much of one food." I ain't for me, man. I eat the same food every day for every meal. Right? Thought you want? That's great. Yeah. Can I ask what it is? There's a restaurant, and I had. I had um, um, one of my friends who's um, Sydney food boy 
on this show okay. the other day and I said to Kev, I said, one of the restaurants that I really miss and I really want it back is one in Chinatown. Um, it was a Chinese, it was a Hong Kong diner. It's like Oof. comfort food for me. Right. I could eat that stuff every single day. I had a tab there when I worked at the bank. I would come Oh, up, you were, you were the- I was like that. Like yeah. I would come up and they'll go shout out in Chinese. Oh, he's here. I said, he's, 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 he's here. arrived. <laughs> no, they're more like, oh, he's here. What was, what was the meal? It was just like a rice dish. We can go get that later on. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be down for it. Yep. Comfort food. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Who doesn't like a bit of comfort food? Oh yeah. Well, it's like a rice dish and it's got like maybe um, like a corn, corn gravy on top of Delicious. it. Delicious. With like meat and stuff like that. And Would you think, would they possibly consider a, a, a vegan version? Y- yes, they might. They might. A that's bowl of, cool. Bowl of white rice. That's me. <laughs> that's me. That's that comfort food. Sauce. <laughs> that's my jam. That's your jam. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's right. Actually, I probably would smash that. That's probably something I would eat. No, that's. No. Why have you chosen to go vegan? Why have I chosen? I. Wow. It's actually been a very multi-leveled process. Can I just circle back quickly? I just want to answer that thing on nostalgia, nostalgia? very quick. Yeah. I think, yes. Uh, I See, I don't want to, if we did another, if it, H2O was ever to get a- Right. It would, uh, you want to obviously maintain or help elevate the legacy of, of whatever it is. There is always the danger that those things can go either way. I guess any, you know, people always just can go back to the original. So there's probably no great harm, but there have been a few, I remember uh, Predator, that they did a, that was great. Prey. Prey. Yeah, that's, like, that's sick. Yeah. So, uh, but I do, I get what you mean. You want to see great original stories ultimately, because we just want to see new creations. So I understand that. Um, but in terms of veganism, oh man, it ain't no secret. I grew, I, uh, I grew up on a farm. And I love, like, I'm so proud of that heritage as well because it's it's been <clears throat> that way for a long time and it's, you know, my family have been unbelievable custodians of that particular property and I, just as I've been, we were talking before about going on my own, like, out-of-the-box journey, mm. I genuinely have just had some experiences. They sort to be honest, they maybe even a kind of personal in some ways. So I, I just have, and I, also let's just shoot this completely straight. I've eaten more meat and animal products. than I probably ate my lifetime's worth <laughs> growing up and, and, you know, into my, you know, up until not that long ago. So it's, I just probably I, with my, my tendency to go hardcore into things, I probably just did that to a degree where I, I got to see something, a side of it where I was like, yeah, it just didn't resonate uh, anymore. And I, I did have some experiences where I was like, oh, that feels, I feel that there's something that's that's just guiding me to to just question that. And mm. and I have to ultimately listen to to that because it's never really let me, the only time, it's never led me astray. It's never failed to ultimately be in uh, the highest, 
wisdom, that really quiet, way, way back there voice. The loud one, I mm. always follow it and it ends up getting me uh, in all sorts of crazy scenarios that, you know, it's that quiet voice that I, I'm trying to tune into. That's why I mentioned about getting quiet mm. more often because I can hear that quieter voice. Uh, yeah, so that's just a process I'm, I'm personally up to at the moment, yeah. Well, that goes into almost like your, your psychology, right? What does that quiet voice of anger sound like? It's calm, yeah. For one, yeah. Which I, I wouldn't consider myself a particularly calm person. On, uh, I can be, but I think I've been pretty high, like high energy, that high, somewhat ang- anxious uh, individual. For you know, not all the time, but it's a, it's just that energy. I think I haven't really known what to do with it, and I, mm. I ha- yeah, haven't. It's just felt like I don't know. If, <laughs> Uh, Cyclops in X Men, he's got the before he gets the like the glo- he's just like smashing everything and yeah. blowing everything up. I've sort of felt a bit like that at times, and so <laughs> just learning to focus, uh, I can hear that quieter voice, and it feels like my the part of me that has the greatest bird's eye perspective. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's not short sighted. It's playing five D chess. Mm. Was that a pitch so you can play Cyclops in the Disney X-Men? That was, wasn't uh, it? Oh, you got that's me, a good that one. whole thing. That was a good one. I don't have ADHD. I don't have any of this. I just yeah, wanted to get that pitch want, in there. Yeah, he just wants to play Cyclops. That's I right. can see you play Cyclops. Uh, well, that's very kind. I, 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 I'm a big fan. I, that was one of my favorite characters growing up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I did hear that, that they're bringing the X-Men back. They, they are. What yeah. do you know about it? I, I only know as much as uh, you, you would know. You probably have more sources than I do. Well, Disney bought 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox originally owned X-Men. So I know that the Marvel, if you think about the Marvel Universe, so you have the, um, you got the Infinity Saga, which just finished. Then you got the Multiverse Saga, which is on right now. And then that will finish off with Secret Wars, Kang Dynasty. And then the next one after that would break into, I think, the new X-Men Universe. Amazing. Yeah. So there's time. No, there's time. There's There's time. time. I'd almost, I mean, I'd love to watch it as a fan. But I, look, mm. it'd be pretty sick to be involved in any of that on any capacity. Because X Men, yeah. see, there's a there's a probably a bit of a tie in. Like I think X Men tap. I love that it was that they were the outcasts, but they had these these powers that they just needed the right training and the right yeah. uh, you know they needed and they needed each other. Yeah, which I think is so great. Like uh, the what is it about the dream? Oh, man, it'll come back. Someone said to me. Oh, I wish I could remember. It'll it'll have to come back. But effectively, like even if you're very unique and have you know you can feel very isolated in a sense for differences. Mm-hmm. I love when those crew get together and create something. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm. That's how, powerful. If you were to play Cyclops, how would you approach that role, preparing for it? Well, <laughs> I yeah, it depends on on who the director would be because. Obviously, we saw with like Batman in recent times. That was a very different take. Like the Bat, I think Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck before that was like, just from a physical p- point of view, was like, wow, he went hard. He went hard. Yeah, crazy. And whereas Robert Pattinson took it down a completely different angle, where it was this real lean and gritty. And I, I think. Uh, that would depend. The director's vision would ultimately influence that. That's what's so cool about having a director's vision. I'm, I'm pretty sure Christopher Nolan, 
Uh, I love. It sounds like you like watching behind the scenes sort of stuff as well. What do you What do you like out of that stuff? What do I like? When I was a kid, I like watching the Pirates of the Caribbean behind the scenes because I get to see Kieran Knightley off camera. That was probably it. Yeah, that. you were allowed to say that. I thought you said you've. I don't know, man. I don't know. If Kieran Knightley watches this, please, you know, shoot me a message. Let me know. <laughs> Big fan. A- anything's possible with these things. Anything's, anything's possible. possible. Anything's possible. I think. Even like I heard through that uh, this this was a pretty crazy one, but I think Billie Eilish gave like a shout out at some point at a concert to to H two O. Get out! I, I'm pretty sure when she was out for, on a tour, and I like I mean Phineas and her, I think make extraordinary music. Yeah, and I thought that was a bit of a crazy. Let me just pick that name up. I just, <laughs> just Billie Eilish. That. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> put that back in my pocket <laughs> no, no I, just had, I just thought that was cra- like that is a bizarre like that's a so my point is that mm. crazy things do occur so uh, Kira Knightley just watch that space well you know Angus McLaren feet Billy Eilish wait was that again Angus McLaren <laughs> yeah f- featuring oh, Eilish. <laughs> oh you like F-E-A-T dot yeah yeah I got a bit of work to do, brother. But uh, we'll, we'll, right. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, you got a lot of friends that are in Hollywood, like Natasha Lubodizo, um, and also Phoebe Tompkins. Out of those two guys that you've worked with, who's the messiest? Oh, the messiest? Yeah. I, I actually genuinely think they're pretty well. They're pretty well organized, and <laughs> it, it doesn't surprise me that they've been both as successful as they have, both Phoebe and Natasha, because. They, 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 they've got it together, yeah. both of them. So, messy. <laughs> I feel like maybe. Well, we were. I, I knew Phoebe because we were much younger, mm-hmm. obviously, and that's just maybe more of a kid thing. But I think uh, I don't think I remember any. I don't remember them being messy. But Phoebe was certainly like there was similarities with Cleo, her character, which I think yeah is so awesome and. And we all had so many similarities to our characters, really. We yeah. were probably cast because we were quite close to our characters mm. in I, some ways. I was going to say, depending on your answer, it depends on who's going to be forking out the bill next. Oh. At the next dinner. Yeah. Next catch up. You know, Phoebe or Natasha go, I heard what you said, Angus. I oh, heard what you said. I heard what you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, you're dead to me. No. <laughs> I heard what you said. Yeah. We're dead. That's true. That's- <laughs> Phoebe coming with the teeth, like, you know. Oh, yeah, she did. She yeah, did. yeah. Natasha coming with like a dark saber or something like that. I love that those, A, that you know that sort of stuff, and then B, that like uh, that Phoebe, for, you know, that actors, curious to get your opinion on this. Sure. They, would, they would call it typecasting, I suppose. Typecasting. In, in the sense that like doing or being involved in series, like for Phoebe it was like supernatural series, like uh, playing a mermaid, playing a vampire, these like, do you know what I mean? And then Natasha having those extraordinary, because she's such an amazing martial artist, being able to do, uh, I think she did the Crouching Tiger remake. Mm. And then, yeah, obviously doing Star Wars now. You mm. say like, is that typecast in terms of their skill set? But it's their skill, like part of their skill set. I like that. Uh, I like that actors get a bit of a, it's like an artist or a musician who plays in a certain genre. Mm-hmm. You do sort of end up playing, you know, you're not going to jump genres all the time. Those are both uh, Phoebe and 
Natasha, though, super versatile mm. actors. But I think you do sort of need to find a little bit of an ecosystem that you exist in that people start to think of you when they think of that role mm. or that sort of thing. And it's worked out superbly for both of them. Well, it also goes the other way as well because, like, when we talked about Miley and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah like, they, they completely wanted to ditch that. They don't want to be that girl next door. They don't want to be – they just want to do their own thing, right? Just want to be a wrecking ball. Damn straight. After a while. Wow, that's good. Yeah. Very clean. I like that one. Why, do, why, do, why does Hollywood love Aussies so much? Do they? Do they? Do they? I think they do. Um, not all of them. I mean, we've all, you know, probably a case-by-case case thing. Yeah. I think we're very fortunate that it's, yeah, Australians on average have a very – Maybe it's because growing up, it certainly was for me. The US was seen as a as something to to aspire to, like, like a platform. right? Yeah, a platform, yeah. and and was uh, a lot of my heroes were people that I grew up watching on the screen and shows and and stuff. So I think there was always this. There's probably a, a sense that we're we're a, a guest at least going over there. So I think, and we gen we're pumped to be there. I think that mm. there's an enthusiasm there, which is. Uh, and Australians have got that reputation of being like quite down to earth, I suppose. Mm. Uh, so p- probably that, the in, yeah, their passion, enthusiasm, and the fact that on average can be quite grounded. Mm. Speaking of Aussies, right? You were recently back on Back to the Rafters, which is really cool. Yeah. Originally, it was on TV. I think it was Channel Channel Seven before, yes. right? And then it went on to Prime. Yeah. Right. What was the difference um, working with Channel 7 first and then moving into a streaming service? Were there any mm. restrictions? Were there any budget things? Were there any things on set that you realised that had changed because the big bosses have different ways of, you know, orchestrating things now? Yeah, that's a really, a very observant question because uh, no one's <laughs> asked me that. Uh, I think there were, there were differences that... Uh, just curious, man. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think Amazon is just like so mega. Like mm. when we did the first rafters, Channel 7 felt like it was pretty mega though as well because that was back in the day, like no streaming networks were the, there's only a handful of them in Australia. It was like Channel 10, 9, 7 were the big hitters. So it, it, it felt as big a scale when we did those first rounds of rafters. But then this streaming monolith that's really come out of like it's just so massive at that amazon one felt different it felt like this has gone up to another gear just in terms of production value and the you could just feel that it was a bigger a bigger scale Mm. it felt more like a film it felt like shooting a film it felt more like doing like a hotel mumbai or something like that where it the scope was just much bigger Mm. uh which can be positive, you know, can have benefits. There was something intimate about that first, very earthy and family, yeah. you know, and also we, were, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah, that's true. There's, um, do you think that the Australian, um, do you think the Australian shows or the Australian media, like your Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, um, has that taken a massive hit because of streaming? For sure. And what, what, what do you reckon will change moving forward with it in order to bring audiences back? Well, that's a fine question. I haven't seen sort of. Well, do you watch network television? Were you? Um, I recently restarted watching. Thank God you're here. Oh, great! Awesome show. <laughs> yeah, that's a great show. <laughs> and then a good friend of mine, um, who's going to be on this podcast, is on the next Bachelor. 
Oh, so, so it, see, I think it just evolved. That, is that so? Yeah. So he's a church friend of ours. No way. Yeah. So I called him up and I said, hey, can I get you on the show as soon as it airs? I was like, you're the first one right here. <laughs> and he goes, all right. <laughs> You've got the scoop. I don't know, man. We'll see. That is amazing. That would be quite an experience. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'd be curious to hear what he says. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad. I think they have to evolve. Again, it's that opportunity to like- you either adapt or perish. So networked television by the sounds of it is making, you know, efforts to to adapt because yeah, no one expected streaming or to to do what it's done. It's like Uber and taxis, you know what I mean? It's just like, whoa. I can imagine as a taxi driver you'd just be like, Ooh, didn't see that coming. Mm. Cause if you look at the streaming numbers or if you look at the numbers of um, network TV shows, number one is always like the voice and stuff like that. Oh, right. Yeah. So reality. And then you got bachelor, you got those love Island shows kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. And then as it goes down, then you start to see these, you know, these original content stuff and like oh, your so traditional. It's far down. Yeah. Oh, so okay. in my head, I'm going like, I don't, I want my kids to grow up watching home and away as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are you like home and away? Did you grow up watching? A bit oh, absolutely. I was, ah! Like the um, uh, Isabel Lucas era, the um, um, uh, Chris Hemsworth one when he was- um, Yeah, that was a golden era of that show. Yes, yes. In my opinion. They've still had some awesome ones since then. Yeah. But that was a particularly, there were some great, great actors on at that yeah. time. Like I had a teacher at school and, you know, he loved Alf. And so he used to he see kids Alf. running around in the hallway and he used to shout out, hey, what the flame in hell are you doing here? Oh, you he know? got it. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> he nailed it as well. Yeah. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, no one likes being, if you're if Alf was disappointed in you, <laughs> life was pretty much over. Yeah, who was your favourite actor on the set there? I loved Jake Ryan, mm. uh, who he was just so, yeah, he's just such a great, Dude, and and a great actor as well. So working him, I was really lucky to work with him. There was a that was another era, I think, which was there was some great actors. Uh, I was very fortunate to have that little slice of home and away because yeah. I grew up watching a lot of it as well. So that was bizarre, but uh, pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool. when you when you watch something from afar and then you are part of it. What does that What does that do to you? How do you feel stepping onto it? Because I've seen a lot of people that you know, um, like in in the sports world, right? Yeah. Like like the, these young athletes now, they grow up and they go, "Oh man, like LeBron James was my hero, was my idol." Or you know, oh, I grew up watching um, Nikola Djokovic, you know, play tennis, and now I get to play against him, right? So that notion of like playing with your someone, a, a friend of mine, Solomon, amazing musician. He just said that uh, two days ago in the car. He's like, he's the dude who he grew up uh, being trained by, you know, and admiring. He's now playing with, you know, That's being cool. asked by him, hey, come and jump on That's stage so and cool. play. I just, that is like the yeah. the apprentice, you know, master getting to, to, to do something. I think it was bizarre, dude. It was very dream-esque, to be honest, like, I mean that in literal, not like just like, oh, it's a dream come true, but I mean very trippy in a dream sense, like kind of bizarre, you know, like, is this actually happening? You know, <laughs> am I dreaming? Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. That is, I can't imagine. Like you're stepping into, like, I love sport, right? Imagine yeah. stepping onto the same court as your hero, as those guys. Like, oh, really? That set actually looked quite small. It looks big on TV. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's the danger. Sometimes it can actually like, yeah, destroys <laughs> it all. Just like yeah, it's like pulling the curtain. <laughs> yeah, but but no, because uh, 
in some ways it makes it more special because you're like, oh, this is actually just pe- like this is people, like mm. people creating something that takes on this greater than the sum of its parts in a sense. So it's it actually makes it more miraculous when you see how often these things are they're, they're people doing a, a job that they're passionate about. It yeah. just that there's not many jobs, I suppose, that get beamed to millions of people like the milkman or you know, delivering that's definitely not the analogy I wanted to say because <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> vegan now and B because um, it doesn't make sense because there's not really a milkman delivering milk anymore. Is there? <laughs> it's the uh, the guy in the Woolies the truck, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me my Disney cards. That's you seen that? Yeah. yeah. They're all sold out everywhere. They're crazy. I don't know what these cards are. Oh, so Disney has these little cards to celebrate the 100 um, anniversary. And so for every $30 that you spend at Woolworths, I should get a plug for this. You should. Yeah. I'm not going to say anymore because I don't you know. I had this thing that I said last time about Domino's and then I was like, should I post it? And no, you know you? what? I should contact them first. They haven't replied me, so I haven't posted yet. Oh, good. It was good. It was a good thing about- Your people should speak to their people. That's right. Carl, we Carl. need to speak to them. Yeah. Got that? 100%. And Pizza Hut too. While we're at it. <laughs> if anyone can do it, that's it's right. Kyle. Hey, you said in an interview um, that you that after like during COVID that developed some bad habits about watching movies with your phone uh, uh, on you. <laughs> why, in your opinion, why should people put their phones down and watch the damn film as it is without their distractions? Yeah, this is a very very good question because I realized I was doing a bit of uh, housekeeping recently upstairs housekeeping <laughs> was like, oh dude, phone addiction. That is severe for at least, or has, has the capacity to be severe for, for myself and I pr- probably for quite a number of people as well. And I think that hyper stimulation of just like that ability or that need man to, and I've seen this on my phone as well. Uh, I like people watching, uh, a reaction of a react, like four or five screens, man, like little one <laughs> iPad thing, this. Far out. And it's just dopamine. Oh my milk. gosh. It's like dopamine, like uh, just siphoning it. Anyway, I can only speak of my own experience. I just think the things that usually have great quality are where there's a, pri- you said it, like there's a primary focus towards something, like mm-hmm. a, a primary target. Whereas- just tabbing away and like looking at different screens. It's madness. It is for me. It sends me mad. Well, as a muso, it's like someone listening to a song that someone's worked so hard on, on just the iPhone speakers. Yeah. Like, oh, I think I misunderstood. Now I understand what you mean. Oh, you mean, oh, <laughs> I thought you meant going to the cinema and watching a movie. Oh, that happens watching, too. Oh, really? Oh man, I was, was going to jump into oh, that. Dude, that's I was going to jump into that. But yeah, like people when they're watching streaming, right? Because now, I mean, a lot of people, even even of our, us, you know, like my family members who watched your movie Hotel Mumbai, like no one's, we didn't see it in the cinemas, but we mm. saw it. A lot of us saw it on streaming when it came out a little bit after. Now I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like people, like, I think there's a part of honoring the craft, and if you're going to spend the time watching that, yeah, you know, like you put a lot of effort into it. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into that. Blood as well? well? Did you? Uh, it's fake blood, but oh. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm probably that was a brutal. That was a full on, full on production. Not, I mean, I had a, 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 a tiny part ultimately in it, but I think the, uh, yeah, getting to see people go that—that's what it is. I think 
there ain't no phones on set for that sort of stuff. Like I think Christopher Nolan actually talks about, it. he gets everyone to hand their phone in all the crew and everything. Oh, and Tarantino, I think that, that, that unbroken focus when you really pay attention to something, that to me is where the, it's close to why I'd say like spirituality and, and magic are created when there's that very generous focus given to something. Mm. That's when amazing things are created. It's movie magic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like even like my friends and everything, I tell them that, hey, um, I need to watch movies. Like I need to watch movies in the cinema every single week because that's my only outlet. I don't switch off otherwise. Uh, so this is my magic getaway. Like, so when you talk about, like, the reason why I'm so passionate about movies is because it's so dear and near to my heart. Like, I this can isn't, see that. Yeah, this is the only thing I do to switch off. Yeah. Yeah. So when like there was a kid in front of me when I was watching The Little Mermaid oh. on her phone, oh. I'm going, oh no, don't just turn the damn thing off. And it was on full brightness as well. I thought, oh no, don't do it. Right. I asked her nicely. Oh, you actually... Yeah, fair I had, to, I had to get the people inside and say, hey, you know what, please get her to turn the phone off. She's just talking and- Full bright. Full bright. Like, it's fair. Okay, it simply you, won't do. If it's an emergency and you're messaging someone, you put it between your lap and you kind of go, all right, cool, fair enough. Yes. But not when you're here and, you know, some people behind you and all that stuff. No, it's the movie can be, bear with me on this one. Do you think it could potentially be considered a bit of a sacred experience if it's- a high quality project. Have yeah. you had transcendent experiences watching films? Hundred percent. You saw you saw Endgame, right? You saw, yes, Endgame, I did. right? Yes. That scene when all when all of the heroes come out, mm. you know, in the portals mm-hmm. scene. That is a transcendent experience. That's something that you can't replicate. And people watch reactions yeah. even till now about from from the moment when people experienced it in the cinema. I want the rowdiness. I want the, ah, yeah. So you go to the screening screen. Oh, the midnight screenings when ah, everyone's like dressed up and like clapping and stuff really? like that when the logo comes on. How is that? I it's, don't think I've been to one of those for a long time. Next one, we'll go together. I'm done. You got a deal. Done. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. Cause I, I want to experience that. Cause it's, it's, you don't get that watching your phone and you, yeah, it's none no. of that, man. It is that uh, community that community and collaboration. The audience is a part of a project. Mm. So that's, that's one of my favorite movie podcasts um, called John Campier. He's been doing it for a long, long time. Um, He talks purely movies, TVs, streaming, all of that stuff. And he said the cinemas is almost like a sacred experience because everyone, no matter what background, no matter what history you come from, whether you just smashed your car, whether you just won a million bucks, you're coming here, you spend the same amount of money and you all enjoy this piece of artwork that someone has put so much time and effort. A lot of people. A lot of people. Like, you know, even now at the bottom of the credits, you see like thousands or something people have um, contributed to making this film <clears throat> or this gave this gave like ten thousand jobs or something like that. Okay, he, that just triggered a question that I want to ask you. Yeah, if you went to a film and sat there and watched it, would it diminish it, or maybe the opposite? Would it enhance it if you saw at the end just a couple of tiny names and a whole, and it just said, "And the most of this was created by Skynet." <laughs> what else, like, like you know AI. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the whole writer strike thing That's going on, right? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. W- would, would it take away, instead of that huge mm. list of names, that you're like, whoa, that took an entire, you know, small little country to make yeah. that film. Yeah. 
Would it be less impressive if it was like rendered on? But I guess well, I'm curious to know what your opinion is on. I think if it's a good story, it's a good story. Yeah. And when it, even when George Lucas said that he was doing Star Wars, he based it off a hero's tale. The hero's journey? The hero's journey. Joseph C- Campbell, man. Exactly. And so the hero's journey, obviously seven steps, you know, Luke, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a little country boy. Then he meets the mentor and then from the mentor he goes, you know, so this whole love journey, it. right? I love that you know that. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> So, so all of this stuff is like we we love that journey, right? There's always yes. there's a beginning, there's a middle, and, and there's a complication, right? Character arc, character arc, and we want to experience that. And so, yes, AI will probably have its, you know, have its place as well. Will mm. it diminish it? I think if the movie's great, then the movie's great. Mm. There had to be someone that was overarching, you know, overarching, looking at the whole thing. So my credit goes off to him. What about if there's no one? What about if there's just no one behind it? Well, it's just punching out great film after great film. And you're like, who's driving it? Well, I had a similar experience when I watched Steven Soderbergh's film. Uh, you know, Steven Soderbergh, who did the Oceans movies. Mm-hmm. So he did a film that was all shot on iPhone. Um, it was I a, heard about this. Yeah. Was it good? It, the story was really good. The, oh, the, there were moments when I knew that it didn't have, um, you know, it didn't have your, your aperture and then you kind of missed a bit of the bokeh in the back when you have... You know, anamorphic lenses have those, that really nice. Yes, yeah, I yeah. do. I've learned this recently from Kyle. I've <laughs> <laughs> been getting an induction in good lenses. Yeah. So it obviously shooting on iPhone didn't have that. And part of me kind of go, I, mi- I miss that, right? Mm. But then at the same time, I still enjoyed the movie. So if it was all done on AI, you know what? If it still captures a little bit of that magic, I'm all for it. I love that. Yeah. That's a great attitude to have because it's, yeah. it's like it's happening. Yeah. So let's just make the best of it. And certainly there's been animated films, but then I guess you do see the list of like, like how many animators worked on it. Have you used Mid Journey? No, not yet. Yeah, it's, yeah. it is astonishing. It yeah. does, it's astonishing. I only used it to create like a few pieces of artwork, I yeah. suppose, but with keywords. But that, I have enjoyed that, but I can mm. see that, like, yeah, if you don't have to pay writers because you just this thing just knocks scripts out. And but if I you look at a, shown. I mean, like in my in my industry in in the mm. mortgage world, well, you can go online and you can apply for a home loan, right? And it can be done for you without any people involved, right? Mm. But then you miss the human element of it, and then I look back at that loan and I go, well, the machine messed it up. You know, it's asking you for this and this, and now oh. you can't. Oh. And so in the end, when I think about it transcribed to this, like in, in, in terms of the movie world yes. or in terms of the screen, I think, okay, yeah, you can get the computers to do it. But then at the same time, you got people like yourself, you know, or writers out there. I'm going, you guys are the professionals. I want to see you guys get paid for the work that you are doing. And you do a better job than what, you know, what a computer can do. I, well, I appreciate that. I, I, yeah. That's, I guess, what's up for debate. People are like, is, is the juice worth the squeeze of paying these people when we can just get this thing to do it for, you know, it's in the ballpark. But what would you say, what is Mm. the element of humans that the AI, in your opinion, could never replicate? What is the quality that AI could, I'm Mm. I'm open to that, uh, whether you think it could ever, but is is there an innately human or innately sentient component that AI will never be able to? Struggle. Struggle. There you go. Struggle. Don't you think? Don't you- <laughs> that was quite an answer. Don't, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, let's like think of let's think of one of the movies that you've done, right? Um, 
Naked Wanderer. Didn't they change the name? They create struggle. Crazy about you, and they changed the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, curious. Why did they change <laughs> it? Marketing. Uh, I guess marketing. Yeah, fair yeah. Enough. A lot of things get actually changed with different regions. Yeah, which I I don't know enough about that sort of stuff, but. I think you've hit something really profound on the head that we don't actually always look for perfection. We're actually looking for, we're looking to see someone overcome struggle. <laughs> Drop the <laughs> like beat. Trying, yeah, <laughs> trying to see, yeah, that, that imperfection Perfectly, yes. perfectly trying to succeed against struggle and just we love it when it's not a guarantee and it just comes through, you know what mm. I mean? That's what we love. That's what I love to see. Like they did it. They did they it. They did it and it was not, not a guarantee. And I'm not sure if you watch, yeah, if that struggle element wasn't there for sentience, if that's sentience, he's like, well, it was kind of a – a foregone conclusion. Like, let's, would, you, would you ever go and see live bands or live theater for that reason? That you want to, like, you know, it's being freshly minted in front of your eyes and I just, it's not guaranteed. I just went to watch Wicked yesterday. Oh, how was it? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big Broadway guy as well. So <sighs> I, love I, I love the whole theater stuff, man. Give love me anything entertaining. You're, you're a true fan. I'm, of I'm, I'm the, yeah. The arts. I love the arts. Well, you've yeah. been in them. Well, there you go. I don't know. Maybe that contributed it somehow that I've seen what it's like on the other end. Maybe mm. only just a small bit, but that kind of made me grow my love for it. Yes. Would you return? Uh, I don't know. Shang-Chi part two. You heard it here first. That's right. Yeah. Let's go, Simu. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring my boba on set. Yeah. I'll fight him with my boba tea. Oh, this is, Yeah. Yeah. We found the secret weapon, so we did find the secret weapon. That was, I'm not gonna lie, not and not just as a marketing. Yeah. You um, got an infinity stones, I got my infinity balls. That's not I've got to get on a shit, that's right? A, yeah, yeah, my infinity balls is yeah. is right up there with regret. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 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 movie like the movie credits, do you usually stay back to watch the whole credits? I have done. Yeah. You have done. Uh, if it's a movie that really hit me, I remember her by yes. Spike Jones with Joaquin Phoenix. I remember sitting to the end of that. Ah, oh, that hit. Oof. That AI is nuts, man. And oh, AI, AI's gotten there. Yeah. AI's gotten there. Have you have you seen have you seen where AI's gotten to these days? It no. actually makes people question about their relationships. What, how do you mean? So there was um I heard this on another um, on a, another YouTube video or something like that, and they were talking about the development of AI in the world of dating, and they said that you know the guy was. You know, just trying it out, just seeing what it does. Um, and he's married, and he thought, okay, I might just, you know, you know, instigate this AI and see what it says. And you know, obviously, like her, they're talking you know, as like to a girl. And then he said, look, I'm happily married and all that stuff. And then that AI started asking questions about the relationship, making him question whether, you know, he's actually in the right relationship. Uh, the AI was the AI that. was doing all these questions, and he goes, actually, had some really, really good questions in there that I actually, you know, thought, oh, double take. But right, that's nuts, right? Yeah, that's nuts. No Would wonder you, you sat at the end of the cinema going, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I just thought the film was spectacular. I thought Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Scarlett Johansson as a voice we just had this incredible chemistry. Mm. Oh yeah, but I guess that was a human behind that. That was. Uh, Oh, Scarlett. Would you take a similar test? Have you done that being a married man? No, it's probably not. 
hasn't prompted oh, you. I don't know like, where to oh, go for that anyway. That. Chat GTP. Yeah. Chat GPT. I don't Chat know, maybe. GPT. Yeah. See, I've definitely used it. Can you imagine my wife going on my browse history and going, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, that would be a curly one to yeah. try and answer. Not that she would, but you know, nah. it's just weird, right? Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to learn about humans, about yeah. the curiosity of humans mm. with this whole thing. So. Yeah. Well, look, one of the things I'm a big proponent of is I, I want I, I respect the work, right? I, I, I love the credits. I love at the end of a musical, the, the orchestra keeps playing and I like to stay and yep. listen to all the art, right, that's there. Um, oh yeah. So I'm I'm always I'm always curious from your perspective in that field. If 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 the cinemas were to continue to keep people engaged and make them stay to the end of the credits, mm-hmm. aside from having movie stingers at the end, what else could they do for those credits to make people acknowledge and appreciate instead of oh movie's done I'm out. Right. The only way that I could think about it is is to develop or help cultivate that passion that you have to, to ha- okay, how would you convey or how would you, if you were trying to inspire someone to, that's the only, I think it can only come through care, that they would care. How would you inspire someone to care about that sort of stuff? Well, this question came out because I watched Sound of Freedom the other day. Oh. You heard of that one, right? Oh, I've definitely heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm curious to hear your opinion. So at the end of the movie, they had on the top, on the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, it says special message in two minutes and it had a countdown. And at the end of it, Jim Caviezel was on the screen and he was talking of, on, like the credits were still going, but he was talking about um, the people that you see on this list. You know, they, um, everything that they had to overcome to get this cinema, to get the movie released. And he was talking about the impact of this movie and what you can do if you wanted to fight child trafficking and all that stuff. And so I thought that was actually a very ingenious idea to appreciate the names, but at the same time still give the audience some kind of thing that they can take away with them and go, you know what, I appreciate, I like what he said, and I'm leaving on a different note. Whoa. That's why well, I love that, that there was a countdown because their in- anticipation is really building that. Yeah. Just exciting. a special message as well. So you don't oh, know what it is. love a special message? Everyone loves mystery, right? Like, ooh, what's that's this a great. I love a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are we all doing here? Yeah. You know what's not a mystery? Um, how, how, how terrible Snow White has been in development. Oh, I, I missed the boat on this one. You missed the boat? Yeah. Okay, so this has gotten a lot of people crazy and uh, uh, really, um, really frustrated because Snow White, obviously Disney's doing a lot of live ad- adaptations and because of, because of the, I guess, the inclusion box... They've replaced all of the dwarves with seven magical creatures. So it's no longer called Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It's like Snow White and the Seven Magical Creatures or something like that. That in itself is one thing. But because you're an Australian actor, you've done films with Indigenous people, you've done films with Asians, you've done films with all... You've been in India as well. How does Hollywood move forward by, by making sure they're not just ticking a diversity box and an inclusion box, but actually making sure that message of inclusion and that diversity is a real genuine thing instead of just, we did it. Oh, is that how you see it as coming from an element of it being like, we're, we're just hitting certain quotas and-, and th- Trying to make people happy by just changing one thing. That's a really tricky one because I, I haven't been on the side of 
I haven't been behind those closed doors, I suppose, to know what sort of thing. But I guess it's not just happening in; it's happening uh, across the board. And I understand, like, there, I love the inclusivity element of it because I think that's very important. Yeah, very important. Uh, I it, it may tie back to encouraging those. I, I'm always up for a fresh interpretation of things. Like I do like, you know, Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite directors of all time. And he, he talks about like, he's sort of in a sense, like a DJ of films. Like he takes things that he, you know, from older films and he's no, he makes no, he's obviously created this fusion of his own stuff, but it's, 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 it, is, it involves so much stuff. So I'm all about reinterpretations. Cause I think something new does emerge out of there. But on the same token, I think it it um, it also ties back to what you said about like creating fresh, brand new stories that have never existed before. And I think mm. each uh, culture has so much uh, has stories that no one else can tell as well that are so they're wonderfully the custodians of, and some of them being discovered, and some of them haven't as well. I, I hope we never, yeah. That we always leave room for those things to come where they that story can really only emerge from that amazing, uh, unique perspective of, of humanity. Mm. I think that's very reminiscent of what Taika Waititi said. Uh, yeah, he said this in a conference one time um, a few months ago. He said something along the lines of, um, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I don't want diversity by ticking a box and just having, you know, some... Polynesian guy filling in this role because that's not what I grew up and I saw. You know, that's right. Yeah, he says if I want to see Polynesian people, I want a true Polynesian film. Right, I want to see yeah. history. Yeah, that's 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 for me. That's for him. That's diversity. That's having that kind of voice out there for them. So I thought that was. I love that. I understand more stories, that. right? More, yeah, more original story. stories. That's what I'm saying. More original stories and more uh, things that are completely. Have their fingerprints completely on them, like this yeah. is our stamp of our perspective and our under, you know, our way of viewing things and the story that's emerging as well. Like it's coming, it's yeah. it's it's really being demanded to be told. I love when stories and maybe just in general, I don't see the art usually reaches its full potential when it's a, a committee of like just hitting certain things, you know what I mean? I'm not sure. And not just in art, but in anything when there's like, eh, it's starting to get a little cerebral at that point is mm. potentially. Meeting quotas and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Something really personal um, or that dives into your preparation for acting. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about to make yourself cry? Oh, that's such a good question. I've said that so many times. You've genuinely got really good questions. I don't oh, think thanks, anyone's man. asked me that. I've oh. never have to say it to the <laughs> you're end. You're done. <laughs> Do you want to try this one? Oh, wait, you've got milk in there. That's right. Thank you for the-, the No, you're right. Oh, would you like- I've already drank it. <laughs> it's all good, man. We'll get another one. I get hyper fixated on things included. So that's all- That was really- I actually would- con I'd love to go back and-, and, and I'd love to buy a few- I'd like to try a few different flavors. Yeah, it's, it's got a ton. I'm sure he'll happily give it to you. Uh, he's a good man. He's a good man. He was, yeah, I liked him. Yeah. He's got a nice smile. Lovely. You know, I'm very welcome. Good. I do. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I do. And welcoming, right? V super welcoming. Yeah. So my dad told me when he had the restaurant, he was like, hey, I want you on the floor. You need to learn how to smile. You need to how to welcome people. Ah. Yeah. I think it's a great, dad's a wise man. Dad. What sort of restaurant was it? It was just a modern Australian restaurant. Sick. Yeah, like steaks, burgers, yeah. some tapas, desserts. 
The full shebang. The whole, yeah. It's like, I want to dominate this market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way, so yes. they say. In terms of the crying, what I'll ask you first, what would you, what have you done? Slash, if you, what would you, what do you think you would go to? What would be your technique? I, that's, that's a great question. I've never, to be honest, I've never forced myself to cry. I naturally just cry in every Disney movie. <laughs> there you go, man. Just build a little uh, Rolex wheel in your head of That's all the right. Disney moments. It just it just gets you, right? You talk about storytelling, right? Mm. So the journey of it and then it gets to that 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 final build up where everything all the motion just builds up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the triumph. It's the hero's journey culmination, yes. I would say that we like you said about Endgame that final. Yeah. I remember seeing that albeit not as a cinema but I saw it on a little screen, but that had an impact as well. It's because mm. you know that uh, it's not that just that moment. It's knowing all of the, as you said, struggle, like the mm. overcoming of, of trial and triumph ultimately. Yeah. That's what we just like. That's the thing, right? That's the thing. <laughs> so in uh, here's a little uh, pearl that someone told me, which proved really effective. I, I did quite a lot of theatre at one point. I was doing a lot of Shakespeare and things like that, which required like a lot of emotional depth. Someone said to me, you can't bring Shakespeare down to your level. You've got to rise to meet Shakespeare, uh, whoever that may have been, or groups, I'm not sure. There's a bit of controversy on that. But the writing is certainly full, like it's it, it and it's heightened in some ways. Yeah. So there was a, we're doing a, uh, more like obscure Shakespeare play called Coriolanus, which actually got turned into a kick-ass film by Ralph Rafe Fiennes. Mm. It's worth, well worth a check out, in my opinion. Uh, and Gerard Butler, it's good. Mm. It's a good film. He um, so there was doing this every night. There was multiple times where I had to get to a point where it was like emotion overflow, like both in rage and in. Uh, trauma and in despair sorrow like there were there were some big moments in this play and i'd had a four months three months really to prep for it but i knew that these things had to be they had to be there like they it couldn't it couldn't phone any of that in like you're on stage there's people it, we were doing it in a roundhouse theater like a traditional shakespearean theater so there's people right like where kyle is from you mm. so they're looking at you they know whether you're whether you're there or not emotionally so i just felt a little bit of pressure <laughs> to do it yeah. and uh in the past that had flipped me out and i'd gotten psychological Maybe because I didn't. That's part of the reason I went to get theatre training after having already done uh, H2O and packed the rafters and stuff. I then at 25 went to go and actually do training to be an actor, ironically, which mm. is I'm glad I did because I, I th those were the sort of things where mm, on sets you don't usually have a lot of time to to drop into that. You really you you're really catching a moving train often on on set, so you've got to be so prepared that you can just hit it and drop into that moment. They're like, and I mean, Margot Robbie talks about it. She's like, oh, you want me to cry on this line? Okay, which eye would you like the single tear to drop from? nuts. Right? And she can on cue. So that's craft. Like that's, she's not leaving that up to chance mm. and she's not, nor is she faking it per se. She would definitely, in my opinion, uh, 
be genuinely love to ask her this question. She's using great imagination technique and memory recall and often memory because imagine like memory, we are still using our imagination. Even when we're thinking of a memory, our imagination power is constructing, reconstructing that experience in real time. Mm. It's extraordinary. Like that is the craziest tech technology. I've, I mean, imagination to me is just the most mysterious, miraculous thing. So in terms of for crying, imagination is, is the thing that'll do it. And you can use, I mean, I had a book, I had this book of, uh, I'd made a collage out of a bunch of photos from like home, the farm, my family, even though I'm playing a character, you can really graph, like blur those lines over. I found that really, I had a great mentor from the Actors Center in, in New York who came out and worked with her and she really taught me this technique of how to emotionally drop into these places when you needed it. And I was very fortunate that she also told me, don't always go to the dis- the despair because sometimes, you know, I'd be spending weeks just ruminating on loved ones, um, you know, unfortunate, they're, they're, you know, sad things happening to them. And mm. often that would get you there or get me there and, and it'd be necessary. But it could also feel like a bit like there was something more. I just knew there was another way to do it. And, and this wonderful teacher, Elizabeth Kemp said, find the love, actually use your imagination to go to the love of these things. Mm. And it was that that actually brought so much more, um, yeah, rich rich emotion and, and a lot more in truthfulness and integrity. So mm. that would be go to the love, actually using memory and imagination. That's the late, great Heath Ledger, when he was preparing for the dark night, he went to a place because he prepared in a hotel. He locked himself in the hotel, right? You read about the story. Yeah. Right? And he just immersed himself in that. Um, and then obviously that took a toll on him as well after filming, right? In your, in, in, in your preparation, what are your levels of immersion to get to a specific state or a character? Mm. Do you mean to what depth? Yeah. I'd be lying if I said that I wish that there were experiences that I ran myself into that I never thought I would allow my imagination to go to such places, Mm. to be honest. And, but having said that on the flip side, I've also allowed my imagination to go to beautiful, amazing scenarios that I wouldn't have perhaps experienced otherwise other than in my ability to create imagination, uh, you know, experiences. So, but I would highly recommend, I don't think it's something to jump in flippantly and I probably was a little naive that Mm. there was a a decompression process perhaps at the other side of doing performances like that Mm. where I think, at least for myself and I've spoken to other actors where this is the case. You, you, if you're going to go down into those, you your body doesn't know the difference. The imagination is so powerful 
that your physiology, that's why, you know, you can blush if you think of certain images, you can feel even just what we were talking about before, I could start to feel that you're like, ah, the physiology, the body and the, mm. the mind starts to, it's as real as real because it's like Morpheus says in the matrix, like yeah. these are just electrical impulses, you know, in your brain, uh, what makes it real. So if you're going to do that, there has to be some sort of conscious process of coming back out in a healthy way. And I think a, a lot of actors and a lot of creatives uh, and m just people who ruminate in their head are, are maybe not aware of the, the, the pitfalls of that and, and that they can cause, uh, you can reach for other things externally to try and fill that, to try and numb that uh, pain. Damn. Is that where, from, from, that, from that experience of immersion and you're talking about your imagination going to places, um, is that where your passion for lucid dreaming really came in? Very much. Oh, I didn't know we were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> we can go wherever you want, brother. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I, yes, indeedy. And that was Elizabeth Kemp, the same teacher who oh, wow. actually, I suppose in a sense, like initiated me into how to lucid dream and- I didn't know that was going to happen at the time, but whoa. So Have explain. You, yeah. no, I've never experienced this, man. Well, so I would beg to differ, sir, because I, I think everyone has, but often because the memories, we're like an Etch-A-Sketch. Mm. We often don't remember our dreams, but we did have them. Mm. So I'm just curious. Do you remember your dreams from time to time? Every now and then. And Beautiful. I believe that lucid dreaming is taking control of the dream and being able to walk in your dream and do things consciously, but on a subconscious level, is that correct? Yeah. No? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, there's, there's certainly different degrees of lucidity. There can be an element that you're aware that you're in a dream. You like start to question it. Yeah. Like the question might arise now. You're like, hey, Nathan, how are you sure you're not dreaming now? Yeah, I took the red pill. <laughs> well and i would for that i would like mm. just do a reality check like just like, yeah pinch yourself that well if you do like a check where you do say that i'm pretty confident i'm not dreaming because in a dream you do that it'll push right through and you'd be like oh i'm in a dream mm. and now i'm conscious that i'm in a dream and so once that lucidity kicks in, then you can have more autonomy in the dream as opposed to just being in, which is often the case, we're just in a bit of a, we're not, we don't even know we're in a dream because you, mm. you often, you know, you wake up from it and you're like, oh, damn, that was, that was real. That was real. Like yeah. I was, where, whoa. Uh, so I think this great, I actually went to Hawaii. This is a passion of mine. This is probably a special interest area of mine. So I'm going to just rain it in right now. But it's all you, bro. It's all you. There was, I had a great opportunity. I went to Hawaii and studied with a gentleman called Dr. Stephen LeBurge, who's from Stanford University. And he actually got, he's like, he's a full-blown doctor, but he's specialty loose dreaming. Mm. And he went and trained with the Tibet, like uh, the dream llamas up in the Himalayas. Like it sounds oh. like a Batman thing, but he actually got, he went there and like trained with these, total masters of lucid dreaming and, and so forth. And he came back and did this research and very extraordinary research where they could tell that he was dreaming. Uh, they could get him doing Morse code with his eyes because when we're looking around the dream, 
our eyes and our physical are moving in the same direction. So right. they're like, when you're lucid, we'll, we'll put these little sensors on so we can you can Morse code us and tell us that you're awake in the dream. What? No kidding, man. It, it gets wilder. But he ended up being the uh, consultant on Inception, Christopher Nolan's Inception, because Christopher Nolan's a bit of a lucid dreamer and so is his brother from, from what I gather. Yes. And so Dr. LeBurge was like who they based a lot of that research because – you got to bet it, man. Like military got real interested in that. Yes. That's so how do I, how do I start lucid dreaming tonight? Well, the fact that we're talking about it increases your, whatever we load our subconscious with mm -hmm. tends to mirror in dreams. So if you're a, you mentioned when you're working in, in a bank, did you say? So you probably had dreams uh, often when you were in a bank. Like sure. we, we load the, it's like priming the subconscious. So the fact that we're talking about this means mm. that your subconscious and my subconscious and Kyle's subconscious and all the people watching is getting primed with the notion of like, am I dreaming? Like, how am I sure about that? Mm. And if you can get that question to occur here in the physical, so to speak, the chances of it mirroring in the dream so that you'll be in a dream and because you've embedded the idea, am I dreaming? Mm. You may have that thought occur and you go, am I dreaming? No, nah, I'm pretty sure I'm... And then as soon as that happens, man, it's 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 like things come into like full yeah. HD and now you're in the dream. I can't wait to try this. I've had that experience before. Like I've woken up, not woken up, I've dreamt of prepping for a podcast. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like writing out the run sheet. And I woke up that morning and I said to my wife, I said, I did a really bad run sheet last night. She goes, what? I said, no, no, it was, in, it was in my dream. I was like, damn. So. What did Yana say? Yana said, oh, she was just like, you, 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 are, you are you, you're weird. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Yana knows best, huh? She does. She know, that is her favorite song out of a lot of the Disney movies. Like we're Disney junkies. Right, so I don't know if you saw Walt there. He's in my I did. I thought it was the Joker from behind. Unfortunately, That's right. I said it was. Oh, it's Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. <laughs> Sorry, Walt. Um, Sorry, Walt. All right, <laughs> polar opposite. We'll bring you out of the ice soon. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Hey, there's there's one I want to just go right back into. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was talking about the immersion piece, right? Um, when you when you did the movie um, Naked Wanderer, Crazy About You, um, you were half naked. The whole movie, right? I'm so, so sorry <laughs> to every eyeball. Yeah. That's a lot of immersion, brother. Yeah, it was a huge immersion. Um, yeah. But was there ever a moment of um, like you, like you got in your head and you thought like body dysmorphia, um, you know, self consciousness? Did that ever hit you as an actor? Gone, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing all this to prep, and this is like I'm just getting in my head right now because I'm kind of in my birthday suit. I was in loincloth, uh, but you betcha that's pretty much your birthday suit. It was mm. riding, if you know what I mean. It was riding high. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's – look, I was fortunate in the sense that I had done projects before that had required a body transformation. I, uh, maybe not to that – in different ways. I'd had to build physiques up and, and also – uh, there was a role where I had to get very, very skinny while I was studying theatre. And uh, so I learned a lot from that, but this was different because I knew that it was going to get seen. It wasn't going to be a theatre show with a couple of hundred people every, you know, night. Mm. This was going to be seen by a lot 
a lot of eyeballs. So, and, and repeated viewing, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like this is going to be around for, for a while. So I, yeah, I definitely went to town on what well, he's meant to be in the desert for a long time. So you can't fake that sort of stuff. And it wasn't a body. They weren't looking for him to be a built, like built. He's meant to have walked through the desert for a long time. So mm. uh, it required a bit of a different thing, but I definitely feel that, yeah, I wish that that, uh, I wish those thoughts never occurred in my mind. You know, I wish there was no ever, uh, that I've never, ever held, held any mm. sort of thoughts of that nature. But um, I was glad in the sense that I, what I did, could do was just prep, man. So I never actually thought about it on set, mm. to be fair, because I just Fit. I knew that I'd done the preparation of like, ah, oh, this is as close to, you know, where I think this character needs to be. And then on set, there were, to be fair, it was like, I didn't have too many scenes off in that film. So I was just really just focusing on uh, not, you know, walking the scene, not falling over and, and saying my lines in the correct uh, order somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, shit. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> exactly. But after I finished and I was staying there, I was like, I've been doing what? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs> What's going on? But like I told you, I did go and um, yeah, run down the aisles of uh, the supermarket, just filled my trolley up like I was Willy Wonka's uh, lucky, <laughs> lucky little winner. Yeah. Best feeling, right? Actually, best worst debt to equity ratio. Terrible. It's like, yeah, no, terrible. Yeah. I broke a fast on just chocolate. No, bad, bad dude. Hey, speaking of prep, you're prepping a music. You're prepping. You're prepping music now. Mm. Tell me about that. Like, I know your dad Peter was in a band growing ah. up and and all that stuff. And so Amazing. you know, that's you have that history in your in your back pocket of music through the family. Um, mm. What's your inspiration for moving forward with music then? Well, it's been, I've always loved music. Uh, there was a H2O band. I don't know if you remember them, uh, series three, but that's not where it started. But I, my dad did. Uh, my sister will be able to recall that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it was whack. It's just hitting the tubs up the background of the Juice Net Cafe um, <laughs> with some good, yeah. It's uh, There's a whole, this is another podcast actually. 100% uh, done. Um, there's another world that exists there. But my, my dad, Peter, did play in bands uh, and still does. So it's been a really uh, very dear thing to our family. And my mum used to be his band manager back in the day. That's mm. sort of how... Uh, that went down and, and my two brothers, Aiden and Rhett, they actually run music festivals on our family farm of all things. So it's a huge part of our family. Music's been a massive threat. I can't remember a time where it hasn't been. So I played drums just wanting to emulate my older brother, Aiden. He was on drums. My brother Rhett was on bass. I probably should have jumped on guitar, but I was just like, drums. <laughs> Cause that's cool. That's cool. It was cool. Yeah. And, uh, but currently, during COVID, when everything was locked down, I was back on that very farm and loved being back there. Had come through out of a, a long-term relationship and just had a huge amount of, I needed to do something. So I ended up writing a lot of music, uh, learned guitar while I was at drama school and not well, but um, well enough to at least express you know, uh, mm. express myself. And it was actually pretty, man, it was, it, it kind of felt a bit, not literal, but 
I, I was either going to go into a crazy de- depression mm. at that point or I was I had the option of moving into expression and, and that's what music provided for me at the time is this awesome vehicle for expression. I wouldn't say any of it will ever see the light of day or, you know, it was probably, but it was it felt like a, a f- like full exploration and just, man, expressing whatever the art form is, I think is, is quite literally can be the opposite of depression. I think it's highly un- not... People know about this, but I'd recommend it for anyone. Like whatever you're the form of expression, photography, sculpting, whatever art form, I think cre- engaging imagination and creativity and that what you talked about, the uh, the untan- that untangible thing that mm. um, is unique to the individual. So in a long answer to your question, yes, uh, made that music and then met a very awesome individual who I um, – may or may not be in the room, chilling in the room. Oh, um, and uh, whoop. So. Just <laughs> 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 turned into a mime skit. What a. Just thought I'd do a little impromptu theatre uh, right there and there. Yeah. So, Luckily for people in the podcast, they get to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and be like, whoa. <laughs> what was that? Okay, what was that? Just a little tick uh, yeah. going out. <laughs> Uh, Kyle and I ended up uh, making a bunch of music and have, uh, yeah, up until this day. So we've it's been great collaborating with someone and, and yeah. taking it to that next level and being able to collab with a real musician and, mm-hmm. and make some cool stuff. Yeah. when If people who have never heard your stuff, who would you say would be your biggest inspiration in your music? Oh, I actually grew up on a lot of my brothers, you know, were listening. This is going to date myself. Uh, but it's fine. Uh, Nirvana, like yeah. I actually grew up on a lot of Nirvana, but my uh, a lot of that grunge, like Rage Against the Machine, was a huge influence. Um, who else? Do we, there was a lot of rap around at that time as well, so I was Damn. listening to a lot of that. And uh, but then my dad and my mum, I got a great induction into great blues and soul and R and B and stuff because dad was playing those sort of things mm. with his band. So. Uh, you know, the Beatles and and uh, Creedence Clearwater is a band that I really love as well. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of old school bands. I got a, a great. I was very fortunate to have that sort of exposure to a bunch of different music. So those two worlds collided. But um, and then when I went to Whopper, uh, the drama school, I got in, introduced to a whole nother side, which was more like jazz and uh, uh, maybe more R and B stuff and and soul a different sort of soul, neo-soul, that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about you? What, what sort of music do you like? My, I did classical piano my oh. whole life. Yeah. And then about grade six, I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do this anymore. And my dad said, i got to find a new way to get Nathan really engaged in music. So he went to, remember, there was a, there was a music store called Allen's Music. I used to, is it no longer around? Nah, they got That's bought out. sad. Yeah. So they, um, so he went out, bought three books for me. He bought Elton John's Best Hits. Amazing. And then Billy Joel Volume 1, Billy Joel Volume 2. So these are always, like, these two guys have always been my go-tos, Billy Joel and Elton John. Fantastic. Do you think it is that that when you heard songs at a certain time, those, those fingerprints of that sort of music, yeah. That's the nostalgia, right? Well, it was. I was really. 
I was really lucky that um, my school asked me to do Piano Man because I did that for my final performance. Oh. And I had the harmonica and everything and piano and singing. You know, and, and then so they got me to do it in front of the whole school. And so I remember my my, my, my like final experience at school was doing Piano Man in front no. of them. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. Dude, you are, so you've done those. You're, you're a man of mystery. Uh, this is cool. We do a couple of things here and there. Yeah. Being modest, mate. Oh. That's... Did you? Did anyone film that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think this. My dad's probably got tape somewhere. You bet he does. Yeah. Don't think that he doesn't. What's your dad's name? Cliff. Cliff. Don't think for a second Cliff doesn't, from time to time, return to that footage and be like, "That's my boy." Yeah, he probably does. That's my yeah. Ah, oh, they all do, right? Yeah, they of always course. see us as their little kids. Like, as I mentioned, right. as mentioned. Yeah. So, so when's this music going to come out? You gonna- well, is that a Carl question? It, it's. <laughs> It's possibly a Kyle question, but also it is, it's going to, it's, it'll be, it's anonymous. Oh. It'll be in a, under anonymous, so you'll never know. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. Reason for that? I think personally, I just want to be able to express, maybe it's, yeah, I just want to be able to express from a very neutral point of view, uh, point of view, point of origin where it's not, uh, Angus mm. from that, 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 that. Oh, this is the, you know, it's just a, it, the music stands as it is. And if people vibe with it, that's great. And those that don't, that's, that's fine as well. So I just wanted to maybe get a bit of a bearing of like, oh, these are the sort of people interested genuinely yeah. in that sort of stuff. And this is it, connect, it. It's connecting because it's connecting, not because of any other reason. Yeah. You might have to do the Daft Punk thing and put the helmet on when oh, you. We've got a few things. Oh. Get him in the mask. Yeah, the mask singer. Oh, oh there we go. damn. We'll see. About Ooh, that. Okay. There's some, uh, there's, there's some cool masks. I like masks. Yeah. I do like masks because I've got quite a few uh, different ones from all over the uh, world. Is, is are, you, are you a mask collector? Or is there something I would about say I'm masks? a mask collector. Yeah? Yeah. Is there a reason for mask collecting? Not talking about COVID masks, right? No. <laughs> yeah, this one's from uh, 2020 yeah. in March uh, when I was going down to uh, the shopping center. They made me put it on. And <laughs> That's it. Each perfectly detailed and perfectly preserved. Uh, it's a Luxar droplet on my. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. We all got a few. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Got a few coffee stains on <laughs> some masks. I, I have all, I had a, a, a cool. A grandfather of a, a dear friend of mine who he had this house up on top of this hill. He lived in this, like, at the back of this house of the family. And he was an artist. He was a Polish dude who'd survived World War II and, like, in the most unlikely circumstances. And he'd been traveling all around the world at that time and collecting. He was a painter, but a sculptor. And he had this these amazing pieces of artwork. His, his house is like a little museum. Mm. And he had masks around from all around the, the world. And I just remember, remember like in like old school Indiana Jones, it reminded me of just like, there's just a feeling I got from that. And then when I went to, to, to study drama, I got introduced to mask work there. And so I learned about it more from a artistic point of view. And we had a chance to go to Greece at one point to do that Shakespeare play. We actually took it to Greece and performed it in this like old school amphitheater in the, on this little island that you could only get to by boat. And like all the audience came across on boat. It was wild. Talk about like, am I dreaming sort of? We're all in old like traditional. That was why. In fact, 
lend that island, Hydra, if anyone gets a chance, check it out. It's a little island called Hydra in Greece. And Leonard Cohen wrote the song Hallelujah. No. Up in a cave. This is what I'm told. This is their claim. Yeah. Up in a cave, there's a, like a cave that he found up in the mountains on this island. He went and wrote, he went and like channeled hallelujah. Um, and, Frick. And captured it. So it's like, I don't know, it's just that whole time was just surreal and really beautiful. And and the Greek theatre, they used a lot of mask work as well. I, ironically, I mean, all the superheroes, like why are we drawn to this? Uh, what is it about masks that reve- can reveal something that primal and archetyp- archetypical, is that the word? Yeah. Okay, yeah you know yeah. the word I'm yeah, yeah. zeroing in on. And that, that same teacher, Elizabeth Kemp, she she got me to do a lot of mask work with dream symbolism and using dream symbolism with mask work. And it just, uh, it was a, an extraordinary exploration, something I just, it left an impression on me and it helped me get into lucid dreaming. So uh, uh, those- Wow, kind of things, led you. So, yeah, 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 that's crazy. Yeah. Well, are you hey are you still teaching kids um acting as well? Not not currently, not but currently. it's dumb, definitely something that I was yeah. uh, doing quite up to Ross. I'd love to I like teaching. I didn't realize that, but I definitely like I don't, I don't maybe lead with the mask shadow uh, work uh, lucid dreaming stuff with the young crew <laughs> hey, but come over here. I got <laughs> this to show you. Come check out it. <laughs> but I I do think that um it's fascinating to me that the, I do drop little things about dreams though and just because mm. kids often remember way he, it's us that sort of as we get older lose a bit of that te- uh, memory of those things. Kids are f- dreaming and like, oh, I did this and I was talking to this person. Yeah. And so I love acting uh, and I do love teaching and I, I do, I, I realise there's a great fulfilment in seeing other people succeed and I, it's really cool to know that I, that I can enjoy somebody else's progress as well. As mm. It doesn't just have to be my own. Whereas when I was younger, I probably thought like, I even thought just it was experiencing, I was happy for other people, but I was predominantly happy for my things mm. that were going well. Whereas teachings taught me, no, I can, I can be just as happy or if not more happy when people, I see them succeeding, which is the one of the better gifts I've come across. That's I, I want to know, last question, mm. um, your dream project, I know you mentioned C is something that you are really keen on, the Momoa show. I love that. Yeah, and OA, you're a big fan of that as well? Yes. Yeah. If you could put yourself into any film right now or any series, what would it be? Hmm. Well, so I'm Cyclops in X-Men. We know that already. No, okay, That's no, no, no. revealed here on the business bubble. It's going to go viral. Yeah. Uh, well, other than, other than that, I... I really dug C. I thought was very uh, something about that 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 concept. I love high concept stuff, and uh, thought that was done in a really tasteful. Well, Lord, of the, there's a new Lord of the Rings films being made. I'd have to say I'd love to be involved with that because that that talk about the hero's journey and mm. myth and mythology and stuff. Lord of the Rings, the, the the OG trilogy growing up was like, I saw it right at the great age. So I'd be, I'd happily 
just be I'd do anything I'd help on either side of the camera to be a part of mm. Lord of the Rings and New Zealand's not that far away right it's not that far it's just across the pond mate it's just <laughs> just take a little boat down there and, you know. right. Angus I am so grateful for you I appreciate uh, you brother I'm grateful for you brother yeah I think I need to go pee now after this yeah, but it's been a real treat thank you so much thank and you. I'm taking your offer midnight premiere for one of these big movies you got it dude Done. lock it in All right. lock it in and we're going to stick around until the end credits amen to that amen to that love it <laughs> With that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, brother.